Hello. Thanks for joining us today to listen to the message from Calvary Baptist Church in Lake Havasu. Today we kick off a series called The Gifts of Christmas, and today's message is based on Acts chapters 3 and 4. If you'd like to follow along with the Life Notes, you can download them now at calvaryaz.com forward slash life notes. Now, here is Pastor Pete Bunnell. You can have a seat, and as you have a seat, you can take your Bibles or your Bible app and open to Acts chapter 3. Uh, if you're using the Bibles there in the seats in front of you, that's on page 1082, 1082. Now, uh, we are starting a new sermon series. We're in the Christmas spirit here. So the new series is called Christmas Gifts. So for the month of December, we'll be talking a little bit about Christmas gifts. Um, and I'm wondering, um, what are you hoping to get for Christmas? How many of you have a list, a Christmas list written out? Only a few of you. I feel really alone right now. I have my list. It's, it's written. It's dispersed to my family. Okay, so le- let's do this. Let's do this. Um, tell the person next to you one thing you hope to get for Christmas. Just tell Maybe they'll get it for you. Start your list. One thing you want to get for Christmas. All right, so I told my wife what I wanted to get for Christmas, and we're really, really bad at my house at waiting for Christmas. And so when we see the item go on sale, we buy it and we start enjoying it immediately. So for a couple of weeks, I've already been enjoying a brand new cappuccino maker. It's been wonderful. Um, Now, we do, however, make our kids wait. They have to wait until Christmas. And so we have, usually we have a closet where we put all of the gifts and we tell them don't go in there. This year, the tree is up, the gifts are wrapped. And so the kids get to look at the presents and they get to wonder, I wonder if the big one is for me. I wonder what's in the little one. And so they're anticipating Christmas morning where they get to eagerly rip into the wrapped presents. Now imagine with me for just a moment if we could make it seem like my kids were not gonna get any gifts for Christmas. Like, what if I never asked them, what do you want for Christmas? And what if we didn't tell them the closet was off limits? What if we just said, hey, go on in there, rummage around, look, there's no surprise for you in there. If there was no tree up, nothing wrapped under the tree, they would have no hope for a gift at Christmas. And I think they would be pretty depressed. It would be a depressing December. We live in a world that lacks hope. There is a lot of dissatisfaction and there is a lot of discontent. And this is a general feeling. This isn't a feeling that just centers around Christmas time. This is kind of all of life. You know, it's interesting. Uh, the Gallup poll surveys Americans and they've been doing it for decades. And the last time that Americans generally felt satisfied with life was in the late 1990s. Since 2000, there's been a downward trend of people saying they're dissatisfied with their life. And in fact, in 2022, it reached an all-time low or all-time high with 90% of respondents saying that they're generally dissatisfied with their life. That's sad. Our nation needs some hope. 
our neighbors need some hope and we have the ability to give them that hope. And we're gonna see that in today's passage. In today's passage, we're gonna meet a man who was in a very difficult situation and he needed some hope. He had been handicapped from birth. In the first century Israel, this meant that he was relegated to a life of begging. He wouldn't be able to work the government wasn't going to support him. He had to beg for his money. And so his friends would carry him wherever he needed to go and put him there so he could ask for money. So on one day, they take him to the temple gate there in Jerusalem where there'd be many people passing by and they set him there and there he sits begging, asking for alms. And on the day that we're gonna read about Peter and John pass his way. Now, Peter and John are two of Jesus' apostles. And, and it's the way that church history goes right now, this is after the death of Jesus. This is after Jesus' resurrection. Jesus has ascended to heaven. The Holy Spirit has come on his people. They're preaching. They're living their life in Jesus. The church is being built. And Peter and John, two of the church leaders, were walking into the temple and they encounter the beggar. Look at what happens as they talk to one another. I'm in Acts chapter three, starting in verse three. So seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and he began to walk and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So the first thing we learn here is that we need to give the gift that you possess. Give the gift that you possess. I think we're on the wrong slide. So you can just, uh, oh, good. Different slides back there, sorry. Okay, so give the gift that you possess, which means that what gift you have received, you want to give it to others who are in need. Peter and John did not have what? Money, right? They didn't have money, but what they had was healing power in Jesus' name. And so they gave that gift to Jesus or to, to the man. Peter and John had experienced life change that Jesus can cause. And they witnessed Jesus heal people. They had witnessed the Holy Spirit coming on them. They had witnessed thousands of people having their life transformed because they had trusted in Jesus. And so they offered this life transformation to the man. It was not what he asked for, but it was what he needed. 
his life was changed. He was healed and he rose up and he was instantly able to not just walk, he was able to leap and to jump. He moved in one moment from a man who was hopeless to a man who was hope-filled. And of course, the people watching were amazed, right? They knew this beggar. They had seen him at the gate day after day begging. They knew he had been carried there. And now they were watching him jump around and praise God in the temple. When you encounter despair, you need to find hope in Jesus. When you encounter personal despair, heartbreak, hurt, you need to find hope in Jesus. When a community is grieved, we need hope in Jesus and what he does. If it's spiritual or it's physical loss and hurt, we can find hope in Jesus because Jesus changes lives. So first, we have to receive the gift that Jesus brings to us. He came to be your savior. He came to reverse the despair that you feel or you at least felt at some time because of sin's dominance in your life. He came to turn that around, to forgive you, to offer you hope, to offer you a new life, to give you a hope for eternity and a hope for the reversal of the destruction that sin causes. We need to receive that. Now, let me explain a little bit when we say the word hope. Biblically, we're not talking about fingers crossed, I hope this happens. No, biblically, hope is the eager expectation that God will do what he has promised. It is confidence that we can trust God. He is reliable. It is an assurance that he will do what he said. And once we have received that hope, then we can share that hope with others. In all areas of life, whatever challenge is brought, Jesus promises to redeem and restore that brokenness. The destruction of death, God gives resurrection. Broken relationships, God gives peace. Lives broken by addiction and sin, Christ can give recovery. The brokenness of our failures in all of these things, God provides hope and we can share words of hope with others who are in despair. I'd like to share a story uh, from my own life when someone shared some words of hope with me. And it happened right backstage here in January. Um, I had gone out to eat. This was a Saturday night too, by the way. I'd gone out to eat on Saturday for lunch and I'd eaten so many chips and so much salsa and then a gigantic hamburger, and then so many French fries. And I was backstage and I was waiting to come out here to welcome all of you um, to worship. And I felt terrible. Like I was physically feeling sick and I was spiritually feeling really, really down because of my lack of self-control and my gluttony. And um, I, and Chad asked, he's like, how are you doing? And I'm like, I'm not doing good. And I just told him, you know, how I was feeling. And then I said these words. I said, I guess I'm never gonna learn the self-control I need. 
And he said this, he didn't even look up from his cell phone. If you know, Chad likes to play words with friends. He didn't even look up. He wasn't thinking too much about what he was saying. I don't know, but he just said, oh, you'll learn. He said, oh, you'll learn. And it like hit me up the side of my head like a two by four. I could learn. I could learn to have self-control. I could learn that. And, and it totally switched my thinking because I was like, I'm 48 years old. The Holy Spirit has been working in my life and I should be able to have self-control. And it was a life-changing moment for me just with that simple word, oh, you'll learn. And it wasn't hope because I was smart. It wasn't hope because I was good. It was hope because the Holy Spirit produces self-control in people. That was life-changing for me. That simple phrase, oh, you'll learn. It was a message of hope. You know, everyone in this room has messages of hope that you can share with others because we have this book. Because we have this book and we know what it says, we have messages of hope to share with others. Listen to a few of them. Romans 5, 5. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us. God loves us so much that he gave Christ. And so this hope is not gonna lead to disappointment. Another one that I love, Psalm 42, verse five. The psalmist is talking to himself and he says, why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my savior and my God. And a moment of despair, the psalmist, instead of listening to that despair inside says, why are you in despair? You're gonna hope in God again. You're gonna praise God again. These are messages of hope. So here's what I wanna do. We're gonna put on our social media feeds, Calvary is, these verses of hope in the coming week. One verse a day so that you can look at them and then you can share them on your social media feed. Let's, let's inundate social media and all of our friends with messages of hope from scripture this week because this is really good news and we need to share it with others. Now, while we're sharing this hope, let me encourage you not to give false hope. Don't give false hope. And I'll share another wonderful story of another failure of mine here. Um, so uh, during my first year of marriage, I was going to seminary out of state. And so I had to travel a lot and uh, during one of my trips, I'm talking to my wife on the phone and I said, hey, I got something for you. I'll give it to you when I return home. And um, that was true. I had something for her that I was gonna give her when I returned home. I hadn't gone shopping for this item um, and I didn't tell her that. And, I, and so I gave her this expectation that I was bringing a gift, a nice gift home for her. And I'm sure that sometime in our first year of marriage, she had mentioned that she would like to have this item. So I was thinking she's gonna love this. So I get home from the trip and I give her this wonderful, cheap, hotel free shower cap. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I really did this. This is actually probably not the worst gift I've ever given her. But, but 
you know, the ladies are like, I can't believe you did it. The men are in here going, rookie move, dude. Um, yeah. I gave her so much, so much false hope, right? That I was actually gonna give her a nice gift, right? False hope. False hope offers something that won't deliver. It won't deliver. In Psalm 33, the Bible says that military strength is a false hope. It's a false hope because only God's power is ultimately strong enough to deliver. For the true needs of America today, we cannot offer politics or a politician as our hope, okay? We have to stop doing that. Money cannot be primarily what we offer as a source of hope because riches eventually fail. Worldly wisdom and philosophy is never going to offer the life change that Jesus offers because in him there is true hope. True hope, power for change, over despair. So let's go back to our passage here. Um, this man is healed and he's jumping around and he's praising God. And Peter takes this moment and he transforms it into a chance to share the gospel. Now we don't have time to read everything that's in uh, Acts 3 and Acts 4 today, but I wanna just highlight some of what Peter shared because what he was doing is he was inviting others to have hope in Jesus. He was inviting others to have hope in Jesus. Look at verse 14, chapter three, verse 14. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murder to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And in his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Skip down to verse 19. So then he kind of goes in for the clincher, the commitment. Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. So proclaim the truth about Jesus. That gives ultimate hope to people. Christmas is only a few weeks away. And as we enter into Christmas, for a lot of us, it is a time of wonder and amazement. Maybe not the same wonder and amazement of the people in the temple seeing this man jump around, but there's still a sense of awe. There's still a sense of sacredness when it comes to Christmas. And people are far more apt to accept your invitation to hear about Jesus, to come to church. So we have invitation cards for you out in the foyer, at all of the entrances, if you're going out the kids' wings, there are some invitation cards and that tells about the different times for our services because we're doing six services here in Lake Havasu, one service in Parker for the Christmas Eve weekend. And I wanna encourage you, take these cards with you and hand them out. Invite people to come to church with you on Christmas Eve. You know what's interesting is I always think that everyone knows they can show up to church. Like, I just think like everyone should know. They're all welcome. All of Lake Havasu is welcome. But people don't know that. They don't know they're welcome here unless we invite them. And there's a lot of power that comes with an invitation. 
a lot of power that comes with an invitation to let people know that they're wanted, to let people know that they're desired. Um, when I am recruiting life group leaders and I invite them to be a leader, the first thing is, I don't think I could do it. And then when I say, but you know what? Your leader recommended you. Your leader kind of nominated you and they said, you know, this person would be a great leader. And then they're like, really? They think that about me? Okay, maybe I can do it, right? It's that invitation to know that you're wanted. I'll throw out an invitation to uh, the young adults in the room. We're gonna do a Christmas party here on December 12th. There's information out in the foyer for that. Young adults, 18 to 28, we want you to be here at Calvary. We want you to have a family and a group of friends. You are invited to be a part of that. There's another invitation. There's information out in the foyer if you're interested. Invite your friends to join you for Christmas. Invite them here so they can hear the message of Jesus and all that Jesus has done for them to give them a hope and a future. So Peter is preaching a sermon. He's heading into the wrap-up, the end of the sermon, the final clincher, but he doesn't get to finish his sermon. Instead, he's interrupted by the religious leaders and the temple guard, and they arrest Peter and John because they are annoyed that Peter is preaching about Jesus. You see, the religious leaders had already sought to silence Jesus. They wanted Jesus out of the picture. They had killed him on a cross, but Jesus rose three days later, and his disciples were proclaiming him throughout Jerusalem as the savior. And now to top it all off, this beggar was jumping around, praising God, proving that Jesus had power. The hope and the power of Jesus were being shown very clearly. And so they arrested Peter and John and they spent the night in jail. And the next day they were brought before their accusers. And let's see how they respond. So let's look at Acts 4. And uh, we're going to go to verse 11. So skip on down to verse 11 to see how Peter responded when he was confronted by the religious leaders. He says, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's really bold, isn't it? It's like, there is no way else. There's no one else. There's no other way to get to heaven. There's no other way to be saved than to trust in Jesus. And the religious leaders see Peter proclaim this, and they're like, there is no way that this man who is uneducated, who is a fisherman, there is no way that he would be this bold, except for the fact that he had been with Jesus. He had been with Jesus, his life was changed. So the religious leaders are looking at a, a man who was lame, now jumping around and worshiping God. They're looking at a man who was uneducated and should be fearful, proclaiming boldly the truth about Jesus. And they're like, what are we gonna do about this? So they huddle up and they decide they're just gonna tell Peter and John to stop talking about Jesus. Stop proclaiming. 
do not talk about Jesus or proclaim this truth in Jesus' name. And so uh, Peter has a response and you can see the response when he's told, stop talking about Jesus. Peter's response is in verse 19. He says, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them and let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. So the final point, don't let the opposition silence your hope in Jesus. Don't let the opposition silence your hope in Jesus. There was opposition to Jesus just a few days after he rose from the dead, just a few weeks, and there's opposition. And that opposition has carried throughout history and there's opposition today. John Wesley, an 18th century traveling evangelist, always expected opposition. When he would go to preach, people would show up with bricks and rotten tomatoes. Okay, that's how he was greeted when he would preach the gospel message. And one day while he's traveling to his next speaking engagement, he gets off of his horse because he's realizing something. He had been preaching for three days and no one had thrown a brick at him and no one had thrown rotten vegetables at him. And so he's like, maybe, maybe I'm missing the point. Maybe I'm not being faithful to the message. And so he got down and he prayed and he said, God, if I am not being faithful to your message, show me because I should be opposed because I'm being faithful. There should be people that don't like what I'm saying. Someone was passing by while he was kneeled down praying and they recognized him and they said, you know what? I don't like that guy. They picked up a rock and they threw it at him. It missed him, but he instantly just had joy. He's like, hey, all right, I'm doing something right. I'm preaching the gospel because I'm experiencing opposition. Opposition should be expected, but it should not silence us. The light of Jesus can overcome the world's darkness this Christmas. I mean, Christmas is a time of gifts, but it's also a time of lights, right? I mean, it's one of my favorite parts about Christmas is seeing the Christmas trees with lights and seeing the neighborhoods lit up. I love that part of Christmas. The lights, the true light of Christmas, Jesus, will overcome darkness. John 1 verses four through five says, in him, in Jesus was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Darkness will not overcome the truth and the light of Jesus Christ. When you have such a great hope, I mean, when you think about the hope that we've seen in this passage, when you have such a great hope, do you think you should hide it? Do you think you should let it be the last thing you talk about? Would you cover up that light so that the darkness around can't see it. You know what Jesus says about covering up the light, right? Matthew 5, no one after lighting a lamp puts it under a bushel basket, 
but instead puts it on a lampstand so that it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not let opposition hide the light of the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. So as I wrap up, Calvary, you have the words of hope that somebody needs to hear. Don't let fear or potential rejection stop you from sharing that hope. You know the hope in Jesus that can overcome the despair in your own life and the despair in others' lives. You have a life that's been transformed by Jesus that someone else needs to see. You're able to invite someone to come and hear that message of hope this Christmas. So let's give the gift of hope to a world that is truly in despair. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the hope we have in Jesus Christ, that when we were your enemies, you sent Jesus to die for us, so that when we put our faith in Christ and what he did, we are forgiven and we are made new and we are given an eternal hope. Lord, whatever despair we face today, whatever sadness we have in our life, Lord, we know that you can heal it. You can transform it. You can redeem it. You take tragedy and you make something beautiful out of it. Lord, we have an answer that a watching world needs to receive. We have a gift, the gift of hope in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we need to share that with others. So Lord, make us bold like Peter. Make us able to speak out that truth in love and in grace and in clarity. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Three encouragements to highlight from Pastor Pete's message. Give the gift that you possess. Invite others to have hope in Jesus. And don't let the opposition silence your hope in Jesus. If today's message spoke to you and you'd like to support the ministry of Calvary, you can do so by visiting our website, calvaryaz.com. The homepage has links to contact us, to give, listen to past sermons, and you can subscribe to receive our Word for the Day daily devotionals. Well, that'll do it for today. I hope you'll join us again next week. Bye-bye.